This is Let's Talk Business with your host, Mark Ebinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show that highlights and promotes entrepreneurs to learn more about their vision, goals, and marketing strategy. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about climbing the entrepreneur ladder from employee to investor. Yes, we're going to talk about the cash flow quadrant. One of my favorite topics. Uh, I don't know when that book was released, but it seems like it was a long time ago and it's still kicking. In studio with us today is Siva Shankar, a civil engineer in land development and an owner of Paradise Engineers. Siva, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. If people only knew how much I had to practice on that name, right? It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm your host, Mark Ebinger, the owner of Krukus Virtual Staffing, a company that specializes in hiring virtual assistants from outside the United States. A quick reminder to follow the Let's Talk Business podcast on all major podcast platforms and social media where you can catch video versions of the show. You can get to everything easily from our website at satalkradio.com. If you're going to be in the San Antonio area on Thursday, May 16, 2024, be sure to join us at the next Let's Talk Business Mega Business Mixer. We had to call it Mega because it's so big. We're expecting probably close to 200 at the next one. Um, we had 150 at the last one, but we're going to grow. We're going to make it so much more fun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do a lot of business at these things. So we're expecting at least 150 local business owners and entrepreneurs on site to mix, mingle, and connect with each other to do more business. You can get to all the information on our website at satalkradio.com. So pick up your tickets. The first batch of 100 is live, but they will go fast. All right. So, Siva, we were talking a lot before, you know, we even got to the actual show part. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot to learn. Um, you are out there crushing it on the entrepreneur side. You were an employee in this industry for a little bit. So talk about your background and how you went from the employee to a business owner, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. Awesome. <clears throat> so I moved to the U.S. in 97, and my parents are just straight hardworking folks that put me through school. So what they showed me from a small childhood was work, for, you know, work as much as you can, save up that money, and then retire. You know, that's the traditional way of thinking, right? And it's nothing to them. I mean, it's just normal. Like, it's just normal for them from, from that age. Like, work really hard, go to school, you know, get a job that's really good paying, and then you'll be settled in life. Get a, get a house, get a car, and then you'll retire, get a 401k. And once I read this book by Rob Bukowski, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like, that changed my entire mindset on what money actually is because your parents they don't really show you um, my parents just they didn't know any better you know they didn't know which is not their fault they just didn't know and so once I read the book and changed my mindset on what money actually is coming in and what actual like um and what actual wealth actually is to to a person like it, it completely changed my mind on how to invest and how to um, to be able to to make it in life, essentially, um, to make money work for you, which is the biggest goal. Right. So as an engineer, I worked for a lot of different firms. I jumped from one firm to the next because I didn't feel like I was making it. I didn't feel like I was growing. Every time I got comfortable, I wanted to jump. As soon as I got comfortable, I looked for a new job because I knew I wasn't going to grow. And if I didn't feel uncomfortable, I knew I was doing something wrong. So eventually I moved to Texas and I met my partner, Sam DeHivey. Um, we, it, was, it, was, it was nice to meet him because like, he has the same mindset that I do like, as far as growing, investing, and being able to make money work for you. That's our biggest 
goal in life. So once we met, and our first goal was to to get into investments, you know, get into land development, you know, be the ones that create the development, the place where we're sitting right now, create this this large office space, you know, create a retail strip, create a commercial development, create a subdivision. We do that for our clients now, but why can't we do it for ourselves? I don't you know. know. So uh, <laughs> we were pretty naive. We started Paradise Investing to create, you know, land development deals. But found out real quick and real early that you need a lot of money in order to be an investor, <laughs> a lot of money, unless you come from money or unless, you know, you have friends or, you know, potential investors, but we didn't know anyone, you know, we, you know, we don't know anyone. We didn't know how to do it. We didn't know where to even start. We didn't know anyone that was rich. The only folks that we know are the people that we work with and they're all struggling day to day to, for a paycheck, just like we were. So what do you do? You know, if you don't know anyone, you don't know what to do, how do you make money? We knew that working for a company wasn't the way to do it. Because how often can someone save $100,000 working for a company? You know, that takes most people their entire life to be able to save that money. Money comes, money goes out, and you have to work for that paycheck on a daily basis, right? So eventually, the, one, the only thing that we knew how to do was in engineering. So we said, hey, let's open up an engineering company. And, you know, we do know how much money our company makes on like and pays us compared to you know how much they're making for themselves so we decided to open up our own engineering firm and try to get the profits for ourselves and eventually go into investing we didn't we expected it to take a couple of years before we can get to investing you know we didn't you know we had to figure out where to get clients from figure out how to get jobs you know like it was a very it was a very stressful time but we were so lucky. Like we met investors immediately. We made like we made connections. We met investors. We had clients that were outside of our company, and before you knew it, we blew up. Like right now, we're, you know, knock on wood, but we're we're pretty close to competing with our old firm, just me and Sam. Which is, I can't even like it's just word of mouth and being able to reach different clients and and, and do something that the larger firms can't do, which is like give them that that that. You know the family feel like you know they can call me anytime like they know that my number one goal is to make sure that their project is successful like I'm not just a phone number that they can call during business hours my clients call me anytime any day you know they're they're like family at this point like I can go to them and stay at their house if I wanted to like that's how close we are at this point so it's kind of cool to to be able to go through that experience and you know get to this point and um, and you know that's that's where we are we're still on our track <coughs> to get to investing, but we're one step at a time. So that's, that's where we are right now. Cool. So uh, how far into it are you? Two so, years, one year? This is going to be about two years in. Two years. Okay. So what's your timeline before you can start investing? We're planning on investing within the next few months, I think. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, as soon as we find some land and a good deal, uh, investment. Um, unfortunately, the, um, the interest rates are still high it's it's a little volatile right now but i think it i think it's time that we can probably get into something small and be able to do it we've done large deals we've you know for our clients we've seen them the only difference is they had the money and we didn't but right we, we're the ones that got it done for them so so we don't have a problem doing it it's just just need the money you know so with respect to the cash flow quadrant you start out as an employee <laughs> right mm -hmm. And then you, you're uh, a small or like you're your own business, right? You're self-employed. Yes. So, so to everyone to ex 
explain the cash flow quadrant, we have the E, mm -hmm. the S, the B, and the I, right? And E is what 98% of the population is as an employee that works for someone else, right? And, and S is the small businesses, the doctors, the dentists. Um, we are technically an, an S. You're an S right now. You're a small business. And the big goal is to get across the quadrant to the, the B and the I. The B is for big businesses, which are like Apple or Google or some of those bigger firms. And then the I is for investors. And our goal is to jump from E to I. But in order to get to I, we had to get to S first to create a small business. Let's go business. back to B and, and S for just a second. So a big difference between B and S is self-employed is actually doing the work in the mm -hmm. business. That we're not the the owner is not the one that's mm -hmm. really doing the work. Yes. They're maybe managing at a higher level, yes. but they're leveraging everybody else. Yeah. Yes. So as soon as you cross it, as soon as you cross that that line between S to B or S to I, that's where money works for you instead of working for money. And right you get now. your time back. And you get your time back. Yep. And that's the whole goal, right? Is and the so whole people goal. don't they get stuck in yeah. that self-employed part. Mm -hmm. Because they're a job owner mm -hmm. as opposed to a business owner. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think is, how do you get from self-employed, in your words, from there to the B? What's the, how do you do that, yeah. practically speaking? I think, I, think, I think people get comfortable in the S because they come from the E to an S and they're happy because they, they're making a lot more money than they ever were. But then at the end of the day, they have to realize they're still working to make that money, even though they're making a lot more than they were in E. But how do you get from the S to the B? To the B. So, so our goal is essentially to get to the, to the I, which is the investing part, part of it. But to get to a B, that is another hill that you have to climb. It's essentially a mountain to climb. It's not easy to do. It's, you have to really focus on your goals to get to that point, to slowly grow, but at the same time keep the quality of work that you've been been building for yourself so it's it's not an easy point and that's so the, are that's you going to shortcut you're going to go from the s to the i i'm going from s to i i'm not going to b okay because b is a big business that's a whole different pathway that we feel like it's it's not not doable but it, it's it's a lot of work you don't need to do you it. need to hire people that are that you can trust to be able to do that and hiring people is a challenge in itself to deal mm -hmm. with another another person yeah and that's cool too is you don't have to go from the E to the S to the V to the yeah. I. I mean, you can slip you can, down yes. at any point mm -hmm. as long as you can get the revenue that you yes. need or the income or the money to actually do the I and yes. know what it is you're doing. Yes. In your case, that fits because you're in the S. You guys have all the skills. Mm -hmm. You know what to do. Now you've got the money so you can go right into the I category right, or at right, least a right, hybrid right. of the two yes. until you can become a true investor yes. at some point where somebody else is building the projects out and you're just exactly. collecting the revenue. The same thing we had to do from go to E to E to S, that was not an easy step. Like we had to work for almost like eight months. Like we will work our day job. You know, I, Sam and I, we both had about 10 employees under us at that time. You know, like we, we had a full-time business that we're, we, had, we were running a firm essentially not ours, but we were running a firm. It was it was not easy, you know. And after that, we would jump online at seven o'clock at p.m. and work till midnight or one a.m. like every day for eight months to get to where we are right now. So it's not an easy path from E to E to E to S either. No, it's it something isn't. that you have to put a lot of work into. 
And yeah, I think you have to have the mindset for it as well because people like the idea of being their own boss. Yeah. But they don't understand there's a lot more that comes with it. You're basically a friend of mine calls it self-unemployed. Yeah. You know, you're <laughs> you're you're your own boss, but it's like you're constantly working and you're not making enough money yeah. until you can get to the point where you can. It is scary too. Like, you know, you could lose everything. You can go right back to the E, you know, like not everything is guaranteed. Yeah. You know, it's 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 something that it takes a lot of risk taking to do and you have to have that mindset of I want to get out of this rat race. So what was uh, the biggest challenge in your mind when you started your own company, right? What was the biggest challenge there for you? Um, <clears throat> for us was making sure that we were able to pay our bills. I'm not going to have a steady job anymore. So how do I make sure I have income coming in to pay our bills? So we had a goal in mind that once we started Paradise Engineers, like what do we need to do? in order to be comfortable and not and be able to quit our day jobs. So we had a, a goal, set a set goal. If we can make three months worth of income, then we can then we should be able to leave. Cause in case Paradise Engineers shuts down and we don't get any more jobs, then we at least we have three months to find another job. You know, like we're trying to trying to lower the risk as much as possible. You know, as professional engineers we can get a, a job anywhere at this point. Like, you know, we can go to a large company and be able to get a a, a job there. But Let's just be safe. Let's get three months worth of income. And in case everything goes downhill, we can still pay our bills and be able to, you know, make money. Has anything not gone gone according to plan? It's been even exceeding our plans at this point with, with the way everything is. And I think that's because of the way we treat our clients. Like, it's different than a big company. At a big company, you're just a number. But with our clients, we're actually a name associated with it. Like, they know us. Like, you know, they trust us. So the customer journey, the customer experience is mm -hmm. a lot better for them, mm -hmm. which as you're building those relationships, they can lead to more jobs or what's... Yes. So we've got a lot of repeat clients. Like once, you know, once we get a successful, you know, once we have a successful project completed, permitted, then, then the clients will refer to someone else or they have bigger jobs left over. Like clients, you know, they don't, they, they... It, it, it's it's we haven't done any marketing at all like everything has been word of mouth and just through relationships at this point which has been are you guys building your brand out as you go or is it just sitting there a brand is well hmm, that's a good question we don't really emphasize on our brand essentially. Well, okay so are you collecting you know uh, testimonials photo or like jobs in progress and completed jobs and stuff that you can say hey this is what we've done this mm -hmm. is what we're capable of doing so that you can attract yes. right or act as yeah like yeah we haven't we, we do that when we have to bid for a public job so when we bid for a public job or when a client asks for our references we do have to put something together to show them like you know, how good we are or what we've done in the past and are you putting this out there somewhere, like on a website or? Yeah, we need to do that for our website. But with Sam and I being the only people working, like sometimes like things like that jump, go through the crack a little bit. So we do need to work better on that to, to, to put that on our website. That is something that's on our list of things to do. Okay. Let's update our, our, our website accordingly to the projects that we completed. So is far. that something important to you or no? Um, we wanted to do that when we were got to like the two, like the two and a half year mark, um, so that we have enough projects. Because for us, projects take a long time to get permitted and constructed. 
So right, we've gotten a lot of projects permitted and they're in the construction phase. So we have to wait until it's been finished so we can you know have the pictures and be able to send it out. So it takes a year, two years for sometimes to you know build an apartment complex or build a retail strip or a subdivision. You know it takes time for for those things to happen. So for us is like we're just so new in this entire thing that you know we have things to show our clients we just haven't been able to present it in a proper way to be able to put it online yeah a couple of connections on that could be helpful for you to um because doing like walking job sites do you ever do that mm -hmm. as well so I, and i know a guy he's in commercial real estate very successful mm -hmm. his instagram is doing extremely well mm -hmm. and he's always go walking the job mm -hmm. site talking about things or whatever mm -hmm. and he's just kind of putting out there what he's all about mm -hmm. and then he gets work from that mm -hmm. and it's high level stuff. We're not talking little money here. We're mm -hmm. talking big money. Yeah. no. That's, um, so that's what can happen with just putting it out there, mm -hmm. having some kind of a plan to do that. Mm -hmm. So you're capturing relevant content and putting it out there so yeah. that people can that's see. That's a great idea. Relevant. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have to update that. And Genevieve has actually been helping us with our, she created our, redid our logo for us. And so maybe she can help us with some of the marketing aspects. Well, yeah, I think she's involved in website development. Mm -hmm. Uh, social media, of course, you know, and then graphic design, all mm -hmm. the stuff. So she could probably help you guys get set up on all of that. But it's that consistency yes, yes. In, uh, in in it. So yeah, it's worth it, yes, at least sir. in my mind. For so sure. marketing important? Yes or no? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very important. Okay, so um, what about the name Paradise? Where? Why did you choose that name when it comes to Paradise Engineering? Because it doesn't necessarily flow. I'm not. I'm thinking like for me, what? you know, of course, Krukus <laughs> is my company name. Doesn't mean anything, but. So why paradise? Oh, it's very simple. It's because that's where our goal is, to live in paradise, to not be able to, to be able to live a life where we don't have to worry about anything, you know, provide that for our family and friends. And, you know, we want to live in that paradise. At the same time, we also want to create a paradise for our clients. Like our clients want to do all these development deals to be able to get to that investor part of it, not to, to live their life free. So the entire reason we call it paradise is because that's where we're in going for we want to be able to think of that every time we say the name it's it's a mentality thing as well like the more you say it the more you vision it and the more you, you know it comes true it's you know just being able to attract what you're looking for are you primarily working on commercial or are you doing residential <coughs> what, what's the deal there we do everything we do commercial residential um industrial um and so we have we have all sorts of projects going on right now we have what do you guys want to do though when it comes to your own investments um, we're open to it. It, it, it. There's so many different ways to make money when it comes to. Um, there's so many different ways to make money when it comes to this. So, the, so what we do is, as civil engineers, what we do is we. The first thing that happens is we come up with the conceptual plan, bring it up to the city or county. You know, get their. You know, let's just say that we get their blessing on the project. You know, then we get the construction plans put together. And now that construction plan has to get permitted through the city or county. So now you have a piece of land that just has trees or grass, you know, it's a farmland. And now you have a development on top of it. Let's just say you have a, uh, let's just say you have a hundred acre property and you have, you know, one acre lots on there and you can fit like 80 lots. You have 80 one acre lots on a piece of land that was a farmland. And you have it permitted through the city or county. That means that they've signed off and said you can begin construction anytime you want. So now I can take that plan and sell it. I say that I bought the land for, let's just say, let's just round it up and let's just say I bought the land for $500,000. Well, 
I can sell that paper plans that I've gotten permitted on top of the piece of land, maybe sell it for double the money that I bought the land for. With little to no work and no construction, I was able to double my money. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that's how the numbers work all the time, but it's, you know, it's just an example. Or if I want to create the construction of it, then I you know, hire a contractor, get more investors, because construction costs a lot of money to build roads and et cetera. And then I can build the roads, the drainage, the utilities, and be able to sell that at an even higher price, you know, maybe four times what I bought, bought the piece of land for. And, and then the next step is, say that I sell all that to a, um, like a Lennar Homes or something, you know, and if they, they buy it and they build the homes on it and then they make a profit on, on top of what they were able to buy it from you for. So there's steps to this in order to be able to, to do this. So it depends on the piece of land. So to answer your question, depending on where you are, it, it depends on what works best for that area. If it's a commercial development, great. If it's a retail strip, great. If it's a subdivision, great. But it all just depends on where you are and how that market works for that area. Are you looking to turn these kind of projects or are you looking to actually have uh, assets that you're mm -hmm. managing? <clears throat> so the first thing we want to do is be able to, the first step is to do as little work as possible, right? Let's try to sell those paper plats as much as possible. Next, from there, be able to get into, the end goal is to get into assets that you can manage. Like if you owned an apartment complex, the cash flow from there could feed your family for the rest of your life without having to lift a finger anymore. You know, that's, that's incredible. So that's, those are kind of things that we eventually want to get to. But again, it's a one step at a, at a time. It's, it's a, it's a long race to, you have to endure for that. And you're looking to actually build that out, save your own money, do it your own way, rather as, mm -hmm. rather than going out and finding investors, pooling that together. That's another option. That it depends on how big the project is. Like, you know, if you have a larger project in the beginning, we want to be able to establish ourselves to, to do our own deals. But eventually, once you get into those multi-million dollar projects, that's gonna cost a lot of money. You need a pool of investors to be able to get that going. So now you're talking like big, big, big boy money. So you need a lot of people that have a lot of cash to be able to invest in your development, trust in what you're doing. And that at that point, you need that portfolio that you mentioned. And, but you need that investing portfolio as well as the engineering portfolio and be, be able to get to that point. And you guys are here in San Antonio, Texas, and there's just a lot of development that mm -hmm. is coming this way. Do you guys think that's an advantage or does that even matter? Yeah, no, the central Texas market and south central Texas market is absolutely amazing. With what's happening with, te with Austin, you know, we do a lot of work in the surrounding counties there as well. It's just incredible what's happening. The development that's happening, like you can drive down a road and... and I promise you, you'll see an apartment complex being built right now. It's it's just that amazing. Um, so yes, it's a great advantage to be in this area, okay. one of the fastest growing areas. Yeah. So the corridor from San Antonio to Austin, but then you've got, you know, Waco's a little ways, and you got Dallas, Fort mm -hmm. Worth, you got Houston. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the most activity? Is it in, in the Austin area? Yes, it's out. It's in the Austin area. That corridor between Austin and San Antonio, like that corridor, is where the big all the big developments happening right now. Like, it, you'd be shocked to see how much development's happening all throughout that area. You know, it's it's incredible what's happened to Austin and how it's been impacting the surrounding areas. Yeah, people in New Braunfels, right? Their life is changing oh by the gosh. day yes. because it's just growing so massively. And then San Marcos, a college town, 
you know. So I, I think we've got a lot of good things happening mm-hmm. here for San Antonio, but we can still be blue collar. We're kind of like relationship mm-hmm. based town, mm-hmm. blue collar town, but then still have the advantages of of tech and mm-hmm. other cool stuff coming to the area. San Antonio is going to blow up pretty soon. It's not going to be the same thing within ten years. You're not going to be able to recognize it. It's, wow. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So, um, how? Tell me about your the structure of your organization with respect to you and your partner. Who's doing what there? Um, we essentially share everything fifty fifty mm-hmm. responsibilities and everything. We the only reason we're able to do this is because of how organized we are. Organization is one of the key things to our to our development this far because we have over a hundred projects, and the only way we can keep up with that is by being organized. You know, like we have to we have to know you know, what's happening with each project on a daily basis. We have a very comprehensive task list of things that we need to get done and how, where the project is and what phase it's in, what we need to do for it, and be able to coordinate with our clients accordingly and, and also be able to set aside the time to be able to do work. We also, you know, farm out some work to some contractors as needed to help us with some of the um, some of the grunt work, essentially get the plans ready and et cetera. But, um, mostly, it's Sam and I that run the entire business from, from, you know, designing the website, the logo, to to doing the actual work itself, and be able to, you know, talk to the clients and and everything. So it's been. So you don't have a secretary or anybody there that's m- helping manage your client communication or client client relations. Mm-mm. Client relations. It's important that Sam and I are important, like are talking to our clients. We feel like if someone that's not. Sam and I, or if it, that's not an engineer discussing that with our clients, especially at our level, it's very difficult for them to get the wrong information. And we don't want, that's, that's where, that's the, um, the relationship I was mentioning to you before with our clients, like how close we are with them, which has made the biggest difference. So I don't think a, um, um, we should, I don't think we would ever hire anyone to, you know, be able to have that communication with our clients. Um, but we do hire people to be able to do like, um, like menial tasks, like get the plans ready for us or construct or the design, or we do the design, they get the plans ready and et cetera. So those, those kind of deals. But Sam and I are essentially at this point running the whole thing ourselves. Oh, and it's working for you, right? It's working for us. How many hours a week are you putting in? It depends. Like last week was really, uh, we had a lot of submittals. So last, last, last week we, we worked um, quite a bit from almost 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. For, for like four or five days, like, that's not typical, but then there's weeks where we work 30 hours. You know, you know, it just depends. There's weeks where I have to work weekends be, just to be able to keep up with some of the production work that we have to do. You know, so it, it depends. But honestly, I enjoy it so much. It's like playing games to me. It's just like a video game at this point. Like I enjoy it. Like <laughs> I don't. I, I love. I love what I do. So it's it's a passion at this point. Um, right. Different, way different than when I was an E employee. I hated it. I hated working for someone else. I was like, ah, oh, I got to go home. I, I need my quality of life. But like now it's like I get to come over here and do this. I don't have to have permission from someone to, to do this. I can. Another thing is we work remotely so we can travel the world and work anywhere in the world and, and do this work. And so it's it's pretty it's pretty, um, pretty good for us. When you've identified that you're not interested in going to the B quadrant, you're going to skip it and go to the I quadrant. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, building out a structure for your company is not – to end up in that B quadrant, that's mm-hmm. not what you're doing. So by being aware of that, it saves you from trying to actually go into something. That yeah. It seems like a natural progression. 
because mm -hmm. someone like myself would say, well, yeah, you've got to go from the S quadrant to the B quadrant mm -hmm. because that's the natural flow for my business, mm -hmm. but it's not for you. Mm -mm. You're going straight to the I, which that's where the real money is, is in the I quadrant anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's cool that, yeah. that you know where you're going and you understand, you have the information so that you can understand where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Not everybody has that. Yeah, it's, yeah, Robert Kowalski's book, changed changed everything for us like you know it's it's been it's been it's been amazing especially the quadrant system how accurate it is sometimes to be able to quantify where you are in life Simon and I would would do like once every two months we will do like a vision board to make sure we keep on track to what our actual goals are you know we had all these different quotes that we saved from you know different people that you know tried to inspire us to be like, all right, this is where we want to get to in life. We want to be able to get to that point where money works for you. And we just have to keep our eye on a price. Cause sometimes you forget, you get into the weeds of things and you forget what your actual goal is in life. You know, some of my best friends, you know, they all do the same thing. Like we all have like this vision and we want to make sure we get to that, to that vision. Like you want to do something in your life. It's life is short, so short. Like <laughs> if you don't, if you, if you're not pushing yourself to the fullest, what's the point, right? So. Is there anything that can knock you off track of getting from your S quadrant to your I quadrant? Yeah, there's so many things. Like we can, all our clients stop giving us projects. <laughs> like we can lose all our projects, and we probably have to not going to happen here in San Antonio. Area, no, right? definitely not. But that is one of the possibilities you have to think about before you mm -hmm. before you jump from E to S. You know, you have to think about those risks. What happens if um, what happens if you don't get any more projects? Like all the clients finish our projects and that we don't get any more projects. That's something that I think about every month. Like, oh my God, I'm not writing any more proposals. What if, what if everything runs out? We finish our projects. What do we do now? Like, what do we do from there? Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a scary feeling, but I love that because it shows me that I'm doing something right. Cause if I'm not scared, <laughs> I'm not doing something right. Right. So how do you overcome that challenge of getting new clients? Um, for us, every time I think, I'm not getting any more projects in. I have a client call me saying, I have a project ready for you. And it's just, I think it's mainly because of the way we treat our clients. Like, So referrals. Referrals. You're getting referrals. Referrals and, you know, they also have their own projects that they, once they finish it, they have another one. And, you know, it's just once you give them a good product, they come back to you. Are you networking at all? Mm-mm, nothing. So um, there's a lot of real estate investment, of course, going on in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And there's people that... You can go to mastermind groups and just mm -hmm. start meeting people that are like-minded because these are folks that are mm -hmm. they're learning how to invest. And, mm -hmm. and you, you bring something different to the table than they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. You all kind of learn, but you get to know each other. And mm -hmm. then opportunities come up. People like you. You like them. Maybe That's you right. want to work on something together. So networking is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. It's just getting into it. Have you looked at that at all? Are you familiar with it? Do you we know did. what's going on? We did. In the beginning, when we were trying to brainstorm on how to get clients, we were thinking of all different options, cold calling architects, you know, trying to talk to surveyors. Maybe con contractors can get us projects. Maybe we can go to these events that, you know, we can, you know, meet like-minded folks like you mentioned. But once we got busy, it's just... It's just been a roller coaster. Just not really a need for yeah, it. Not not right now, but it is something that's we would be more than happy to you know go down once we slow down a little bit more. And be I mean, even if you did it once a month, yeah, right, where mm -hmm. you're just you're branching out, so you can kind of have some relationships, mm -hmm. and then you meet those couple of right folks that exactly. they can by doing that continually. That's how you continue to exactly. keep that pipeline. Yes, 
uh, of contacts. Anyway, networking is that's what I do. It's it's yeah. I'm constantly networking, but that's I'm pushing right. hard, but um, mm. to grow. That's how I do it. But uh, I would recommend it. And there's yeah, there's people definitely. here doing real estate investing on commercial or mm-hmm. and residential. People looking to acquire Airbnbs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can meet a couple of those folks mm-hmm. that are in that world, and who knows how much faster that could go for you guys? Because mm-hmm. I, I can tell you have an interest in apartment complexes. Yeah, we have a couple of apartment complexes going on right now. The the good thing that we do, Sam and I, we, we're able to get the project done faster than a larger firm, mainly because Sam and I are working on it. And when you go to a larger firm, which where we were. We were the, the the project managers, but once we get the project, we farm it down to an engineer one or engineer two, you know, to people that aren't as experienced as Sam and I to be able to get that project. We do it right the first time and it's done. And it's it's a lot faster than it could take years for a large company to do what, you know, not, I mean, I guess not years, but it, it could take a lot, like maybe twice as long for them to get through that process than what Sam and I could do. And, you know, they're also eight to five employees. We get it done as soon as we can. And that's, that's another thing that clients like about us is our speed and accuracy. And, and I would think that when you got quality, speed and accuracy all pushed together mm-hmm. and they like you, mm-hmm. that that could, uh, that will lead to more work. But yes, then, sir. you know, if you know you're going towards apartment complexes, that's something that you'd be looking mm-hmm. for opportunities yes. where maybe you guys could partner up with somebody yes. so you can get your yeah. foot in the door. So to yeah. Speak. Yeah. And f- Definitely, definitely. That's what I love about entrepreneurship. Yeah, man. I mean, we're constantly cool. looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, cool. Um, anything else we you got you want to get into before we wrap up? Um, no, I think um, I think we talked about a lot of different things. Is there anything else that you want to ask me? No, no, I think we got through it again. You know, the cash flow quadrant is a is a cool concept. I would recommend it. Anybody out there who doesn't know what that is. To go out there and find Robert Kiyosaki's book, give it a read through. He's got some other books out there as well, but it's just that information. Because mm-hmm. once you're aware of something, you know if it's something that your your mind, your body, your soul, your whatever wants to embrace, then you can just get after it and you can keep chasing it down. Mm-hmm. Maybe make it part of your life like you did. Exactly. And then who knows where that ends up? You know, when you're 50, 60, 70 years old your life's completely different than if you were working in that e-quadrant the whole time. I read Robert Kowalski's book back in 2010, right after college. And it took almost 10 years for me to comprehend what he meant before I was able to make that. It wasn't as soon as I read it that I was able to understand it and be able to make that happen. It took, it was in the back of my mind, but it took a long time for me to understand how to get to that path. It's why do you think that it was? It because it, it's it's hard to connect the dots looking forward. You know, you have to be able to like just follow what your instincts is. That's you said you that, were right out of college, right? Right out of college is when I read that book. So was, in college, we're really not taught mm-mm. these concepts. We're taught a different way of thinking, which you mm-hmm. alluded to earlier, like with our parents and mm-hmm. get a good job and look for that retirement mm-hmm. and yada yada, right? But the problem is one or two medical bills can wipe you out if you're mm-hmm. not careful, right? Exactly. So that's why we have to, this scaling your income mm-hmm. is something that can keep growing on itself is ideal, mm-hmm. which is why the I-quadrant is so appealing. But yeah, that is a pretty foreign concept, mm-hmm. the cash flow quadrant. Um, but it's interesting that you didn't really key, on, key in on it. What brought you back around to that 10 years later? Well, once once I was able to 
like see a path forward. Like I didn't, I didn't see a path forward when he, when I saw the Castro Ford quadrant, or when when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I I didn't know what that meant. Like I, I tried different things. You know, I tried Amazon FBA. I I just tried to you know order stuff from China, bring it over here. I tried all these different things to make it work. I I didn't know what was gonna work, so I had to just keep moving forward, try one thing after the next until something stuck and. Now I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what I was supposed to do because this is what my path was the entire time. But you can't really know that looking forward, you know. You have to be able to. The only way I, I know now is by looking backwards, like, and 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 so that's a, it's a, it's just, yeah, it's in in the now when someone reads it, it's gonna be hard for them to understand. Like, okay, well, what does that mean? How can I actually make that work? Well, just the fact that you're going from the S to the I quadrant based on your skill set. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna. It could be eye-opening to somebody because they're like, "Oh my gosh, I thought I had to go from this one to this one to this mm-hmm. one to this one." You're saying, "No, no, no, you've got the skill set where you can go directly from here to here." Everyone has their different path and what they do, but I think I think the key is to understand what you're good at and don't don't jump to a different career immediately. Like like you've done something for a long time, then understand how that's going to be able to understand how that can take you from point A to point B. Instead of you know looking to to do something completely different, you ever read um, you ever read the richest man in Babylon? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. No. Yeah, it's a there's something in there where um, I might be butchering it, but one 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 thing is he says that um, he says that when he was trying to invest in something, you know he had a he had a clue from a fisherman that there was a really good diamond mining area at this location so put all your money here to be able to make a lot of diamonds and then he did that listening to the fisherman and all of a sudden like none of that deal went through he learned really quick that you know i need to go to an expert to ask about diamonds and where to mine them instead of like going to a fisherman and asking so it's like it's that that little thing right there i'm probably completely butchered that and that saying well surround yourself with people in the know i think is that's the short yeah. In direct line to that, um, you know, because you don't go to a uh, uh, you don't go to a baker to learn how to draw professional. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Civil engineer documents. Exactly. So so people have their own skill sets. They just need to understand how to utilize it to their fullest ability. Well, and we're back to networking again. Yeah, it's exactly. Like just <laughs> always be broadening your network. Awesome. Love it because you don't know it's you don't know what you don't know until you know. Exactly. Right? There's another one where it's like, you know, you take a circle and you draw a line. And it's like, this is what you know, just red line. That's mm-hmm. all what you know. And then you draw another line next to it. And that's like all the things that you, that you know about, but you don't know them. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is everything that you don't know that you don't know. And there's a whole lot out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really kind of eye-opening. You're like, wow, there's just a ton that I don't even know to even ask about. Mm-hmm. And that's rich dad, poor dad, the cash flow quadrant. Some people don't even understand that that's even out there. But when they find it, and then they're like, well, I don't know what that is, then they're on that other mm-hmm. line. And then when they learn it, that's finally when they get to the red yeah. line. But anyway, love it. All right. Awesome. Well, Siva, I enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate you coming out. A uh, quick reminder for our listeners that you can catch a podcast and video version of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us for this one. You guys have a great week. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Great job.